This morning we are continuing our series through the Beatitudes, the first part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, last week I mentioned that in the Beatitudes we can kind of split it up into three different sections. We can kind of split the Beatitudes into, into three different sets of blessing. First, Jesus blesses those who are in need. This is what we talked about last week, those who are, are, are broken. And for the most part, the people who heard Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount, they, they, they were in this category. They knew that they were broken. They were the sick. They were the outcasts. They were the, the mourning. And one of the things I talked about last week is, is the image that we can see for this group uh, of, of people are those who are on their knees with their hands out. And that they have a, a unique Understanding a unique view of God because of where they sit on their knees with their, their hands out. Then Jesus blesses those who help others. This is where we're going to be today. This is where we're going to be next week. And the image that we can see here is, is a picture of somebody standing up and reaching out. Somebody standing up and, and, and reaching out. And then the third category of the Beatitudes are, are what we, we call the hurt Beatitudes. This is the persecuted Beatitudes. People who are kind of at the, the last stretch and the image we can see here is somebody lying on their back, kind of reaching out because that's all they can do, laying, laying on, lying on their back. And so this morning as we dive into the help Beatitudes, we'll be in Matthew 5, verses 7 through 8. And as we turn there, I'd invite you to join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, help us to be ambassadors of your kingdom in this world, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. God, may your, your word guide us as we seek to follow you. And now, Lord, in these next few moments, we ask that you give us ears to hear what you have for us. And God, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So Jesus launches into his ministry from Galilee, preaching and, and healing people as he walks from town to town along the lake. Simon Peter and James and, and Andrew and John, they, they drop what they're doing and they follow Jesus and then others join in on the movement. And as they are walking, we, we get to this place where, where there's a crowd that's following and Matthew tells us that when Jesus saw those crowds, he went up to the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him and then he began to speak, he began to teach, he began to preach to them saying... I'm going to invite you, just like last week, to, to say these Beatitudes with me. Some should sound familiar, because we talked about them last week. Um, some should sound familiar. Let's, let's read these together. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And remember, I encouraged us to, to spend some time kind of reading through these at home. The, the, the Beatitudes are a great thing to memorize if we want to follow after Jesus. It's a great place to kind of start with memorizing Scripture. Last Wednesday, uh, I, I did something uh, kind of fun and kind of exciting. I spent the night here at the church. I figured I don't, I don't spend enough time here. <laughs> I might as well spend the night. 
I, I spent the night here with our, our shelter program, and at one point I was talking with Art. Some of you know Art. Art's the director with Harbor House who runs the meal and shelter program. And, and he said something along the lines of, you know, if, if we just spend time getting to know the people who are homeless in our community, we think differently about the challenges we face in our society around housing, around homelessness, around those sorts of things. And his words reminded me of, of a friend I have or had named Chris. Chris was a, a homeless man who attended the church that I served in, in Huntington Beach, and he made a lot of people in our congregation feel very uncomfortable. He made a lot of people in our congregation feel, feel very uncomfortable. On more than one occasion, uh, we had to tell him that, that he was welcome to be a part of our community. He was welcome to come to church on Sunday. He was welcome to participate in, in, in community meals, but not when he showed up belligerent. Not when he showed up drunk. Uh, there's, there's a couple different stories I could tell of times where he interrupted me in the middle of my, my message. Um, where, where he came in and, and brought certain types of food to community meals. And, and Chris wrestled with some, some mental illness. He struggled with alcoholism. So we, we weren't quite sure who would show up when Chris arrived. I'll never forget the phone call I got from the police the morning that he died. He, he had been found in, in a sleeping bag probably died from alcohol poisoning, and he had two phone numbers in his pocket. One was for the church, and one was for his sister who lives in Michigan. A few weeks later, his, his sister called. Now, I only knew Chris as a homeless man who interrupted church every once in a while. I didn't know that he was a nurse before he got sick. I didn't know that as a, a, a child, his family would all pile into the station wagon and start driving west for vacation with the goal of getting to California, but never actually getting to California. So where did he go? California. I, I, I didn't know that he grew up going to church every week. Chris would, would, do, would do this thing. Um, he'd either interrupt sermons or he would sit there taking copious notes and I'd walk into my office later in the week and there'd be just pages of notes from, from, from my message. His sister called to thank our community for loving her brother when nobody else would. I, I remember hanging up the phone and just kind of sitting in my office. What? 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 Now as difficult as Chris was, we were a more complete church with him in it. He pushed us out of our comfort zone. He taught us a lot about patience, a lot about grace, a lot about mercy. He taught us a lot about what it means and looks like to love like Jesus. When Jesus moves to this second set of Beatitudes, these, these help Beatitudes, he talks about blessing the, the merciful and the pure in heart. He, he reminds his first followers, he really reminds us that we are called to approach life in a particular way. To, to notice the needs of our neighbors. To see the people who are, are struggling. To respect everybody on our path, whether we see eye to eye with them or not, because that person is created in the image of God. 
The first of these outward-focused beatitudes, they say, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. A couple weeks ago, Haley and I went to see the movie Just Mercy. Have any of you seen Just Mercy yet? Highly recommend seeing it. Highly recommend seeing it. Um, it's based off the book with the same name. We read it a couple summers ago at, for our, our summer book study. Uh, and for those of you who read the book, parts of the movie are hard to watch, but not even close to how difficult the book is to read. There's parts of the book that are just, ugh, just kind of sit in your, your stomach, uh, get, get this pit. But it tells the story of a, a lawyer named Brian Stevenson who, who worked and continues to work to expose racism within our criminal justice system, specifically with those who sit on death row. Stevenson studied at Harvard, and then, then he moved to Alabama, where he, he took on the cases that nobody wanted in a system that was completely rigged. Haley and I, we walked out of the movie, and, and, and she said, that, that happened, like, during our lifetime? Mo- movie took, takes place, story takes place in 1992, 1993, and, and, and continues to unfold today. Stevenson, he, he doesn't just take on improbable cases. He literally, he teaches mercy. He, he teaches mercy in the jails, in the courtrooms, everywhere he goes. One of the subplots of the story is, is, is of a, a white guard. And when we first meet the, this white guard, he's as racist as could be. He, he treats Stevenson, a, a black lawyer, a, a certain way. That's just, just not, not how you treat another person let alone how he treats people who are, are on death row as well. And, and throughout the story, he, he begins to experience mercy. And his heart is softened. And, and you can see that, that he begins to change himself, becomes a completely different man, all because he experiences mercy. And as he experiences mercy, he learns to offer it to other people. When Jesus blesses those who are merciful, he's, he's pointing to the people who have this profound sense of empathy. To those who relate to the helpless and the vulnerable. It's the person who, who feels what others feel, even when they can't, le- can't completely relate to what it is or, or explain it or haven't been where the other people have been. They can enter the injustices and the tragedies that, that other people experience and be fully present, the merciful. Now, Scripture gives us a, a pretty good idea of how a, a merciful person looks. People who show mercy, they, they, first, they, they notice others. They notice others. It's the image we see in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Right? The, the two religious guys, they walk by the road. A pastor, maybe an elder in their church, they, they, they walk by the man, they see him in the road, and they do what? They keep going. And, and the Samaritan notices the man who is hurt on the side of the road. Notices the man, sees him. It's what Jesus warns of in, in Matthew 25, where, where he says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you let me in. I was naked and you you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in jail and and you visited. You noticed. You noticed. People who show mercy, they're also never too busy. I was was reading um, about parenting this week because that's what I do sometimes as a dad. And uh, I I read kind of an offhand comment that, that the way that children spell love is T-I-M-E. 
The way that, that children spell love is, is T-I-M-E. So I can tell my kids over and over again that I, I love them. I can say it as much as I want, but they experience it when I show up. They experience it when I spend time with them. It's something we see in Jesus' life. He's, he's never too busy for those with whom he's closest. Whether it's stopping to explain something he said or, or stopping to see a stranger to heal someone who he hasn't met. He's constantly interrupted. If we want to be people who show mercy, we, we have to learn to see other people and, and we have to spend time with them. We have to be available and along those same, same lines, we, we, we have to learn to stand up for those who are broken, something that, that Jesus did all the time. There's this time where, where he's on the steps of, of the temple. Some of us know the story. And a, a group of, of religious leaders, they, they bring to him a woman who had been caught, caught in adultery. And she's got nothing on but a, 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 a sheet. And she, they're there to condemn her. They're there to... to Say, Jesus, what what do you think? And what does he do? He bends down and he starts writing in the ground to take the attention off of the person who is broken and and take the attention onto himself. He shows mercy. He shows mercy. Merciful people, they also call out abuse when they see it. In James 2, right before before James writes the, 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 the passage that we most often quote from James that faith without works is dead. Jesus' brother calls out his community because they've set up a class system within their own faith community. The, the church was essentially treating the rich one way and the poor another. And he calls it out and he says, look, you're supposed to love your neighbor and you're treating a group of people in your own community as second-class citizens. If you don't show mercy yourselves, then don't expect God to show it to you. Ouch. Ouch. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, we also see that the people who show mercy are those who learn to love their enemies. Now, for some of us, being in the same room with someone we don't see eye to eye with is difficult. But Jesus calls his followers to engage those with whom they disagree. To turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to even pray for our enemies. The sort of kingdom that Jesus calls his followers to live in is this this countercultural idea that, that, that says you don't have to strike back. You don't have to get even. It's a kingdom where, where mercy is extended to others because we recognize that God has extended mercy to us. So when it comes to being a merciful people, I want to invite us this week to, to just ask ourselves a, a few questions. And, and these aren't questions for you to necessarily point fingers at one another. These are questions that, that you can spend some time asking yourself. So I'm not going to go to JR and say, hey, JR, where do you fit on the scale? That, that's not the point of this. The point is, spend some time taking inventory yourself. Ask yourself some questions. Some of those questions. Do I think I'm better than, than other people? Do we truly recognize that every single person we meet is made in the image of God? Everyone. Am I gentle toward the downtrodden? 
Do we really see or notice those around us who are are hurting? Or do we just walk by? What, What do I say to people who haven't been to church in a while? What about those who have stopped coming altogether? Do I see them and say, where are you? Why aren't you here? What, what, what do I say? Are we really helpful to our brothers and sisters who are struggling in their faith? Or are we pointing fingers? So these are questions for us to be asking ourselves. Am I compassionate and patient? Are we slow to anger and speak out and quick to listen and to love? Now, if we want to experience God's mercy, we need to think of how we would show others mercy, how we would answer these these questions. And then Jesus gives us the second help beatitude. He says, blessed are the the pure in heart, for they will see God. So about 20 years ago, um, I was dating a girl who, who read a book that was really popular in Christian circles at the time called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Any of you know of that book? Maybe not. It was a really popular book for for girls that were in high school and in in college. And the book argued that you shouldn't date anyone unless you were planning to marry that person. You shouldn't date anyone. I kissed dating goodbye. You shouldn't date anyone unless you're planning on on marrying that person. Uh, It was a call to courtship. It was a call to purity. I was in college. This girl was in high school. She wasn't sure if it's going to work out, so she broke up with me. Thanks, Joshua Harris. It's the name of the author. The breakup didn't last. We're married. It's Haley. <laughs> but every time that I hear the phrase pure in heart, I want to write to the author and say, <laughs> The truth is, we, we often hear this idea of purity or, or being pure in heart. And, and, and the first image that, that jumps in our mind are, are passages like this, passages that we, we should know. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. Now, in, in Jesus' day, the heart was, was seen as the, the core of your entire being. It's where your, your personality resided, your desires your dreams, your thoughts. Your thoughts weren't here. They were, they, were, they were here. So as Jesus is talking with the religious leaders of his day, it's not about what you eat or what sort of traditions you follow. That's not how you make yourself pure. That's not how you make yourself clean. It's, it's an issue of, of the heart. It's about your core. Now Jesus was pretty clear that the end goal of our faith wasn't to to follow a set of rules so we can be noticed by other people or or be seen as superior to someone else. The the whole reason that the pure in heart are blessed is because they can see God. They can see God. So their first priority from their core, from their being, is to do just that, is to, to see God in every interaction they have, every conversation they have. Everything they do is done out of a desire to experience God in a tangible way. So when I think of somebody who's pure in heart, I don't see this this pious religious person who who has it all together. I see a a child. I see a child who's stumbling at the beginning of, of a journey, asking honest 
questions. Not caring what anyone thinks outside of the God that they're, they're trying to follow, that they're asking questions about. So there's a, another set of questions that I'd encourage us to, to ask ourselves. And again, these aren't questions to go and ask one another. These are, are questions to kind of ask yourself. Just to kind of check in and say, how am I doing? Taking, taking inventory. And, and that first question to ask is, what do I think about when my mind slips into neutral? And here's what I mean by that. Right before you go to bed, right before your head, your head hits the pillow, when you're sitting at the, the stoplight waiting for the stop sign to change, what are you thinking about? Where, where, where does your mind go? Last week when we started church, I, I said that um, attention is the beginning of adoration. Attention is the beginning of adoration. So what are you giving your attention to? And adoration is the beginning of worship. So what are you giving your attention to? Because what you are giving your attention to gives you a good idea of what's sitting at the core of your being. The second question, what do I want more than anything else? Where where are your deepest desires? This goes back to what you're thinking about. What, What shapes what you strive for, what you long for? And then lastly, are my actions accurate reflections of what I I claim to believe? How do you spend your time? What sort of language do you use? How do you interact with your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you see throughout the day? When do you love well? When do you fall short? Spend some time being honest with, with yourself. Again, these questions aren't about making us feel guilty. They should invite us to to take inventory of our core, to take inventory of our heart. Where do you need to grow? What what part of your life do you need to invite God to be a part of? The, The psalm that Pastor John read earlier, written by King David, and he's reflecting on his own sin, he's reflecting on his his own brokenness, and he he's taking inventory. And he's writing it down as, as he does, asking God to help him work some things out. And he writes this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. May David's prayer be our prayer as we strive to show mercy, as we notice the people who God places on our path, as we empathize with them, as we we give of our time, as we give of our attention, and as we seek to be pure in heart, focusing on God from the very core of our being. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we long to see you we long to experience your mercy and we, we long to point others towards you and we long to extend mercy to other people. Help us to do just that this week. We pray these things in your name. Amen.